Welcome to Two Guys in a Bible, conversation on culture, theology, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold, and uh, with me today, as every day, is uh, my friend and the gentleman scholar, Dylan Keniston. Hardly. <laughs> Good to see you, Dylan. How are What's you? What's going on, brother? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Excellent. Uh, and so uh, today, we get to talk about the lovely topic of God's law. Hmm. Uh, this seems like a pretty easy one, right? No, um, yes. Not a, not yeah. should be a problem at all. Yeah, no problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. everyone's like, oh, God's law. Oof. All right. Well, you know, we'll do what we can today. Uh, it's going to be hopefully edifying uh, uh, to you, our listeners. But uh, our goal is to try to unpack uh, what God's law means, what 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 purpose it serves uh, in the culture today and in the church. Does it have a purpose in both? What is that purpose? And when we say God's law, what do we mean? Hmm. And hopefully we can get into how to apply that, how to apply God's law. But I dig it. That, that, that being said, we kind of have to begin with what is God's law? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, man. Well, okay. So let me hmm. just take a step back. Before yeah. we go any further, I just want to say yeah. um, th- this is one of those this is one of those conversations where um, I, in, in many respects, I'm sure this will come out. Oh. I'm still sorting out my own thoughts on, on a lot of these questions. Uh, yeah. And I, I admit I am. You know what I mean? Well. Like, yeah. it's one of those things that I, for, for uh, please, please hear <laughs> me that, that I am teachable on this, uh, but, but I will, I will do my, my level best to, mm-hmm to we'll, we'll think this one through together and uh again we love feedback i know at the end of the episode we, we always kind of say hey here's how you drop us a line send us an email uh tweet at us um find us on facebook we'll yeah. drop that information at the end of the episode yeah we will but um but yeah i i definitely would love to hear feedback on this and and um you know i'm i'm like i said i, ho- I hope i'm teachable here all right yeah. yeah absolutely well how about i throw this out so talking about law right yeah. i love you think i've ever seen judge dread Judge Dredd, Judge yes, Dredd. yes, I'm classic, law. classic. Yes, I love it, I love it, law. No, but... Um, <clears throat> Le that's, yeah. that's I am the state, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, so when it comes to law, which always has, in general, negative connotation, but the point is, I think that one, we, it'd be fair to say that a law would be a standard of behavior, a standard of ethics, uh, just some, some kind of standard that governs how humans are supposed to function. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good summary. I mean, that's as that's as general as I can make it. Yeah, and the other thing too is the law is good, right? So I mm-hmm. think we, you know, we read, you know, the, his law is uh, sweeter than honey, even mm-hmm. honey from the comb, right? Yeah. Um, blessed is the the man who who meditates on God's law uh, yeah. day and night. Yeah, um, this is a good thing, right? Yeah. So, the, yeah. I, I know because no, you, I mean you make a really good point. I mean I think there are some some wings of of uh, the the church in in America that um, do kind of see the law as having kind of negative mm-hmm. connotations. You know, don't be so legalistic. We hear that one a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not about the law. It's about grace. Yeah. Um, you know, stop going to the letter of the law. You know, it's, like, well, yeah. it's, it's the, you know, we want the spirit, not the by the letter. The letter mm-hmm. kills, spirit gives life. You know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. So you get you get these, these negative connotations about the law and its use in Scripture when really, I think— it has a really positive role. I mean, Paul reflects on it in glowing language in Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's— but You would say then that's, that's specifically talking about God's holy standard. Yeah, you're right. Law. I'm jumping the gun there No, no, you're bit. fine. No, yeah. you're fine. But I, do, I just want to make it very clear. Like, we, we obviously agree there is bad—there's there's evil law. Oh, absolutely. So, um, um, you know, not every law— Like, you said the law is good, and that's obviously presumably God's, God's law. God's law, yeah. But, you know, if you were— um, uh, living in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, an extremist Muslim country, mm. that law is a, is different yeah. than our understanding of God's law. Yeah. And that kind of gets at, like, to, to anyone out there, and, and there might be some folks who, who, who think that all law is bad, mm. right? I mean, I don't know if any, I don't Anarchist know personally of any, kinda, yeah. but the point is, is that there's, all, I, would, I would submit that there's always a law. Mm-hmm. Always a law. It's either the law of a false god or the law of a true god. So again, um, Allah, the Muslim understanding of, of God, 
um, if you were to ad adhere very strictly to the, the Quran and the, and, and the other writings, that that would be a false god that has a false law, mm. essentially. Um, and there's other examples in Scripture. A clear example would be the false god Moloch or, or Baal, right? All yeah. those gods of the Canaanites. You know, Moloch required Adam, uh, human sacrifice, specifically children, okay? So if you wanted his blessing, um, you had to pass your children through the fire, which Israel, of course, was commanded not to do. Do not follow after the gods, uh, Moloch, or, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's other uh, examples, but every god has a law. Yeah. And the one true god has his law. Yeah, and you know, you just mentioned Allah. Mm -hmm. I mean, just Islam has been a, it's, it's a topic of interest of mine, um, and yeah. I, could, I could totally butcher this point, but there there is, mm. there is a little bit of a difference in terms of like, I mean, you're exactly right. There is there is a wickedness there in that law, and I think just to complement that, not the whole thing per se. Well, well, I mean, so to, so I think to complement that though, one of the things that's interesting in in Islamic theology, you know, a lot of times you you would hear Muslims say that they believe in grace. Mm. What they mean by that is, you know, Allah has um, certain standards, but that the manner in which these standards are applied by Allah is is a little bit capricious in the sense mm -hmm. that like, you know, God just forgives. Uh, you don't, uh. you don't need any kind of atonement. You don't need any kind of, um, there's just the law. And, you know, if we break it, then you just gotta, you know, pick yourself up and try harder and, and the struggle, right? Jihad. And a lot of times that's, you know, they would say that that's within ourselves mm -hmm. to struggle to pick ourselves up and better ourselves to obey God yeah. uh, and to submit to to Allah. But his law um, remains broken. But the, well, yeah, the, th that's exactly right. And not only does the law remain broken, but but Allah um, grants grace, grace in a capricious manner such that there's not really um, exactly the law remains broken. There's no there's no justice is not satisfied. Justice is not satisfied. There's no atonement made. There's no basis on which mm -hmm. um, that that grace is applied. Whereas contrasted in a, in a Christian worldview, uh, the basis for that is Christ's obedience uh, to the law in his active obedience mm -hmm. and in his passive obedience. By active obedience, we mean uh, Christ actively obeyed the law, faithfully uh, kept all of uh, the commands of his father because he loved his father, uh, and so he kept his commands. But then also passively in that he received the curses of the law that we deserved. Because we broke it. Because we broke it, exactly. Yeah. Okay. But there is a righteousness that's imputed to us in a, in a, in a forensic sense and in a legal sense we are declared righteous not guilty not we are declared not guilty that's right. exactly yeah. so that's that's one of those things that i just find it's it's an interesting difference in the notion of law and mm -hmm. god's command mm -hmm. in the two systems exactly and and so when you're talking about uh the a false god and the true god it's it's going to impact not only the substance of the law like what specifically is holiness yeah you know the, our God ha tells us that this is holiness, right. and some other false God says, no, no, this is holiness. But then, not only is the substance different, but also um, its its relationship to us is different. So with the one true God, we can't perfectly ever uh, fulfill his law. Mm -hmm. We break it all the time, and that's why the perfect sacrifice of Christ is necessary but at the cross of christ not only is mercy given to us but also justice is served yeah exactly okay, so that's accomplished yeah. there but with a false god every other religion every other um I, I, religion of man and a false god there is no grace like that yeah i mean they might use the word grace but they don't mean the same thing yeah and it's some sort of workspace system well, either you you can earn you can even though you broke the law of this false god, you can earn your way back somehow, or um, this god is capricious. His justice remains unfulfilled. He's arbitrary. Uh, he's in a way unstable. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. because sometimes his law he cares about, and other times he doesn't care about his law, mm -hmm. which is a very inconsistent and unstable god. Yeah, and so that's the. The contrasting there. So as Christians, when we're talking about God's law, we're talking about not only the substance of what is that law, but then how do we relate 
to that law yeah. as Christians. And now, in, sorry, just one more quick thought yeah, that comes please. to mind when you say that, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll get off the Islam thing for a minute. But I, I did hear, I've heard one Muslim scholar make the point because in, in Islam, uh, God's law is seen as um, applying in its, in, uh, you know, it depends on the country and how they adopt Sharia, but how, how it gets applied in society generally. And this Muslim scholar was making the point that, look, mm-hmm. you you Christians basically just dismiss God's law mm. because you you're not you need it to organize your society. Mm. You you at, you end up just kind of dismissing it. And then he was you know mm. uh, discussing this with a Christian brother, and, and and the Christian came back and said, "Well, look, actually, we have a uh, we have a, a more a weightier view of God's law than you do, in a sense, because I mean he didn't put it quite that way, but what he was saying was, um, it's precisely because God's law can't just be dismissed that Jesus had to die. Yeah, um, and and you know that to me was just a very uh, revealing sentiment just about how some of the different worldviews think about law in different ways. And it's not just Islam. I mean, like you were saying, oh, yeah, yeah. everyone has this notion of law. It was just an easy example. Yeah, yeah. It's just an easy example. But I mean, the same can be true said of someone who identifies as, you know, an atheist in the sense that they don't believe in any higher power or supernatural or God or anything yeah. like They don't believe in any of that stuff. Um, are a law unto they become their own. They law. become their own self law. law. They self law unto themselves. And that's interesting because that's the word autonomy. Exactly. Auto yep. self nomos yep. law. Exactly. So be careful when you advocate for autonomy. Yeah. Because what you're really advocating for is self law. Right. Which makes you your own god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you gotta be careful about that. Yep. Yep. But uh, okay. So all right. So we, I mean, we'll flesh out the substance. Well, I mean, the substance of God's law is certainly seen in Scripture, and and we just want to caveat right here, right now, that we all understand, like that Dylan and I, you and, you and I, Dylan, understand that God's law, um, we can't earn our way. A, we cannot earn our way into God's good graces. Okay, there's no earning of our salvation. You know, there's no way we can perfectly keep the law um, in and of ourselves that could, that could make God pleased with us. Amen. Okay, so that's, you know, that's out of the picture. We're not talking about that. Um, but so the question does come, though, when we read our Bibles and we read these laws as Christians, trusting in the works of Christ, what, you know, what do we do with these laws? How do they matter to us? How do they apply to us? So we got to think about how do they apply to us, if yeah. they still apply to us? How do they apply to everyone else, mm. if they still apply to everyone else or are they just good stories yeah yeah you know wow there's a lot there <laughs> yeah well i mean let's take an opening yeah, stat yeah, yeah, right so so let's talk about some of the functions of the law right okay. so just off top I mean, again i am not we're just kind of riffing here right now mm-hmm. but um i mean in in matthew i think it's matthew 11 uh we read that the law has a has a prophetic function that okay. the prophets and the law prophesied there's a sense in which the law itself, um, well, let's back up for a second. What do we mean by law? Could, mm. We could mean a couple different things, right? We could mean the, partic- the, the statutes in their particulars, mm-hmm. um, you know, all 613 of them. Uh, yeah, that's right. We, we could mean uh, the Ten Commandments, which is kind of the apex of the, of the, of the law, yeah. uh, which is kind of like a, a, the law in, in, summary, uh, in summary form. Uh, we could mean the law covenant, the the Mosaic covenant given mm-hmm. at Sinai. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's a couple of different things that we could mean. But in in all of these cases, uh, it, I think it can rightly be said that Christ is looked towards and anticipated and and prophesied towards. So I heard one uh, brother in Christ object to this point, basically by saying that you know, look, the the law that forbids adultery does not prophesy Christ. And he was taking a particular view of, of the law and its prophetic function. Um, but in one sense, it, it, it does though, right? Because we have here Christ who is perfectly faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you have the, the command not to, not to uh, murder, mm-hmm. okay? Um, so now 
in heaven, um, mm-hmm. are there going to be uh, signs posted all around that says "Don't, don't murder"? murder? Right. It, it's just it's not the point. I mean, the the law itself is pointing forward to mm-hmm. a glory secured by Christ by His obedience to that law, such that in a glorified state there will be no mur- no more murder. Mm-hmm. Right. So so there's so, so the law has a, a prophetic function. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Would you agree with that? <clears throat> I would. And I think a good text that we can go to, <clears throat> excuse me, but Romans, I think there's two that are kind of parallel. Romans 3 and Galatians 3. Um, so I'll read Romans 3, uh, 19 through 20 uh, here. This is Paul writing. That's good. Now, good one. We, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And give a little bit of context there, uh, Romans 1 and 2, Paul spends both um, criticizing the Jews and criticizing the Gentiles. You know, basically saying, okay, you Gentiles, you have no excuse, mm-hmm. okay? God's works declare his, his glory. Um, you know, the law, the works of the law are written on the Gentiles' hearts, you know, every nation on earth understands, has an understanding of, 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 of murder and of, of, of property, private property, mm. and things like that. Like, generally speaking, even though there's differences in the particulars, um, every society has a moral compass. Not all of them always point north properly, but they have a moral compass nonetheless. Right, right, right. A, a reflection of the image of God, right, we mm-hmm. could say. Um, and so Paul is like hammering at the the Gentiles, and of course the Jews are like, yeah, Paul, you get them. And he's like, well, you're no better because you actually have the words of God and you don't do them. Hmm. Like you don't even fulfill them, you break them. And so he ends his summary here basically. Um, you know, a little bit earlier, I probably should have read a little bit earlier in verse nine of chapter three, he says, what then are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all both Jews and Greeks are under sin. And that's when he goes into uh, some quotes from the Old Testament. Uh, and then he goes into 19, uh, whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So in some way, shape or form, everybody is under the law and the whole world is held accountable yep. to God. Exactly. So, so this is this is what traditionally is called the second use of the law, mm-hmm. right? Where the, so the law is it's showing us our sin yes. and it's showing us our need of a savior. We can't do it. We, we are cannot do it. We have nothing we can we when we stand before God, uh, we have no excuse. We can't say, "Oh, but 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 but," you know, it's it's not going to it's not going to happen <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And the parallel passage to this is Galatians 3. Uh, 10 through 26 and uh, you know I, I love in reading these two Romans and Galatians I think they're they're great books in parallel to read together because they're pretty much a lot of it the same arguments but uh, I'll start in verse uh, in verse in verse 10 uh, there for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse for it is written curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not a faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And he goes to give an example uh, of that with Abraham and his offsprings. But I do want to say then, uh, uh, if you go down uh, uh, there, uh, why in verse 19, why then the law? Uh, you know, it's kind of a rhetorical question. Okay, so Paul, why did God give us this law? And he answers, it was added because of transgressions until the offspring, he's talking about Christ, should come to whom the promise had been made. And then it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Another rhetorical question, verse 21, is the law then contrary to the promises of God. Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those 
who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian, and some translations say schoolmaster, until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. And, and, and it continues on from there about what it means to live as a son or daughter of God. But the point I'm trying to make, though, is that this is that quote-unquote second use of the law, as, as theologians have typically understood it, that the law points you to Christ. It's your schoolmaster. It's your guardian. It shows you your need for a Savior. Yep. You, here's the law. You broke it. Now what? Now repent. Exactly. Pretty yep. much the nuts and bolts of it there. Exactly. No, I think that's really, really good. Yeah. Um, and, and so now, so if, if that's historically been thought of as kind of the second use of, yes. of the law, mm-hmm. the first being um, what we might call uh, maybe the, the civil use of the law. In other words, we have the law that's put in place to to restrain sin. We'll put it that way. Mm. So we have, we have the law that kind of shows... Um, he, it, it reflects something of the character of God because yes. it's given by God. Yes. And so insofar as, as that is the case, um, we have some, we can derive from that, that which uh, God wants to see uh, not be the case. We, you shall not murder. You shall not mm-hmm. commit adultery. You shall, I mean, no other gods before me is the first one, right? So um, there's a couple of really uh, important I don't know. I don't think rules is quite the right word. Principles. I think rules is fine if we want to define it carefully. But there are certain principles in there that say, look, this is is what we are not to do as human beings. Now, someone might come along and say, you know, a a Richard Dawkins might come along and say, you know, you didn't need this ancient book to tell you that murder is wrong. It's pretty obvious, right? It's pretty obvious. Like, what, you need the Bible to tell you right from wrong? Like, you know this is right or wrong even without it. I mean, You're talking about natural law. Ah, okay. I don't know. I mean, that might be a little too much right now. We'll we'll get to that. But I do want to point out, though, that the reason why, okay, this first use of the law, as as Dylan, you're you're mentioning, as far as... um, like civil use, how all humans are to live, yeah, kind of thing. It's a restraint. It's a restraint, um, and it, and it, but it's there because a God is God; He's the law giver, mm-hmm. and b we're made in His image, so He <clears throat> has a say in how all humans are are to live, right. if you would. Um, that the, the one one text I think that demonstrates this demonstrates this fairly well. Uh, is First Timothy, and I think there's several ones, but First Timothy one, and I'll read verses eight through eleven. Uh, here's what Paul writes to Timothy. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexual, sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So there Paul gives his laundry list of sins, certainly not exhaustive, but pretty comprehensive. How he even tells us this is why the law has been laid down. It's been given for lawless people. Right. And it is to restrain them. Yeah. It's for the ungodly and the sinners, for the murderers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and, and so that is where we're kind of getting this idea of the first use of the law has a application for all of mankind, yep. regardless of whether they're Christian or not. Right. Yeah. 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 So I, I mean, that's the idea. There. Thoughts on that? Well, no, I I would agree with that, and I, I think just an interesting example of this, just you know, yeah. for you know, Chick Fil A, they they now, they're closed on to, Sundays. Wait, don't be bringing up Chick Fil A. You gotta. <laughs> I love Chick Fil A. Better be nice to Chick Fil A. I love me some Chick Fil A. It's you know, it's funny how you crave Chick Fil A on a Sunday. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> it's like you always that's want what true. you can't have, you right? Isn't, isn't that like the no? And you're yeah. like, it says don't push this red button. You're like, oh man, I gotta push that. The flesh and the devil. Gotta push that button. Yeah. Struggling against this, the old, the old, uh, the old yeah. sin in us, right? Yeah. But um, but it, it, it's interesting there that um, 
with with Chick-fil-A, they're closing their stores on Sundays, and partly that's now again, whether you agree with this yeah. notion of Sabbath sure. is is, you know, a different question. I mean, um let's let's just say that for now, that's what Chick-fil-A believes. One of the things the, is sa- the Sabbath God. rest is saying is this is honoring God. Yeah. We're we're honoring the command for Sabbath rest. And so we're not gonna be open on Sundays. Um so that's that's kind of like and again, it's something that is um restraining them from being even more profitable than they otherwise might be mm-hmm. because they in in their understanding of what uh this the sabbath rest is is commanding that that they're saying look that's more important than making an extra buck yeah i agree yeah absolutely and um yeah so that, that, that's that's awesome stuff right there again you make me hungry I mentioned I Chick-fil-A. Now Chick-fil-A. I'm going to go get mm. to get to that. That's okay. No, but um, so again, yeah, first use of the law. I think it makes sense. And you mentioned something and uh, as far as natural law goes, I don't want to spend too much time on that. I mean, there's a lot of books that you can read about that. Yeah. But the point is for our listeners, when Dylan and I are talking about natural law, I hope you agree with me on this, is that it's kind of the same dichotomy as general revelation and special revelation. Mm. Okay, so, you know, it, I'll give a good example using scripture. Um, in it, when when Cain murdered his brother Abel, technically speaking, no law had been given against murder. Okay, the mm-hmm. only law that had been given at the time was God to Adam mm-hmm. regarding not eating of the forbidden tree. Um, and but but Cain knew he had done wrong, mm-hmm. and God held him accountable for what he had done wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know, and later on. At finally, at the time of Noah, is when in Scripture we get the specific by you know whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. Right. So you have all those years where no divine revelation, uh, special revelation about murder was given, mm-hmm. but yet I mean people were doing it, and no doubt it was clearly wrong. Yeah. No, I, I think that's exactly right. And th- I think one of the key points in what you just said is that these are the same thing. They are. It's just, it's, you know, y- you might have one being clearer than the other. Exactly. One being more explicit than the other. Uh, you know, kind of like special revelation being very clear and very explicit. You know, in, in scripture, you know, the, 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 the all of creation cries out to the mm-hmm. glory of God, right? Mm-hmm. All of creation is evidence of God's existence. Yeah. Um, and it's all worshiping him, right? So um, now that's happening in nature. We see that even clear, very clearly, very explicitly spelled out in special revelation. Yeah. And now, um, similarly, when we talk about natural law and uh, versus, um, you know, that law, which is given explicitly. in scripture explicitly, yeah. right? Um, you might say natural law is a it's really a more, it's a sin obscured version of the same thing, right? Where we have, you know, it's just kind of the conscience bearing witness. Like we know Mm -hmm. that, you know, murder is wrong. Um, But now here God spells it out very, very clearly. And to give a modern example would be like Nazi Germany. I mean, everyone loves to talk about Nazi Germany. It's an easy example, but I mean, they had laws against murder, Mm -hmm. but they didn't think the Jews were human. They consider them subhuman, mm. so it doesn't apply, right? So that's where they have an understanding of murder. Mm-hmm. If you committed murder in Nazi Germany, you were punished for it. Yep. But the but they get a but they because of sin they can twist that and say, well, the law only applies to this group of people, right? And this group of mm, call them un- undermension, yeah, uh, subhuman people doesn't really apply to them. So that's how we get around this conundrum of law it's sin obscured it's sin obscured right law um and to give another example as to okay well how how is god's law because you know that that first use of the law also implies that every group people nation on earth is in some way shape or form held accountable Hmm. to god's holy standard yeah that's and it's hard to see that sometimes you're like well these people never got the bible right these people never got a prophet they never got anything. Yeah. So how can God hold them accountable? And, you know, obviously we, we saw in Romans 1, Paul says, okay, doesn't, you know, they're without excuse, Romans 1. But going back even in the book of, um, of, of Leviticus, uh, let, me, let me read for you what God says uh, through Moses to the people of Israel, in, in verse, uh, starting in verse 24 of chapter 18. 
Uh, do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things. For by all these, the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean. And the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For the people of the land who were before you did all of these abominations, so that the land became unclean lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among their people. Mm -hmm. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you, and never to make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, that's very powerful. And I mean, it kind of, <laughs> yeah. it makes me think, so it kind of ties back to Genesis 15, 16, right? And they shall mm. come back here in the fourth generation for mm. the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Yes. Right. And then what, so the idea here being that once the, once their iniquity is, is filled up to the brim, that God's people are going to take that land. Yes. Uh, so, so mm. it, 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 in my mind, it's, it is fairly clear. I, and I think it should be uncontroversial mm-hmm. uh, that, that. Um, nations who were not God's people uh, are in measure, nevertheless, still held accountable uh, in measure to to God's law. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And they were, and it's it's very interesting how how the Bible ties it to the land. I mean, um, the the land became unclean; it vomited out of the, vomited them out of the land. And if you do these same things, it will vomit you out of the land. Right. I mean, it's just. Land, people, law, sin, it's all tied together there, and everyone is held accountable uh, to it uh, there. Um, Now, now, okay, so let's let's unpack that a little bit, too, because, like, you know, uh, I don't know, the sacrificial system, you know, we're Mm. not still going and and sacrificing lambs, Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not. We're not slaughtering a lamb for, for Passover or kind yeah. of, you know, what's what's behind that, right? Yeah. Like, what what is it that, you know, in the law, mm-hmm. there are some laws which apply and some which don't. I mean, maybe I'm skipping ahead. You mean, we didn't, you, no, we didn't get fine. to the third use. We should, let's, let's go but, there. I mean, we'll want to come back to the third use. But, yeah, I mean, no, what, that, what are your thoughts on that? You no, know, you're going right into the third use of the law, which is, okay, so— all right, we got a basic understanding of law. Uh, law points us to the need for Savior. Okay, law restrains evil, and everyone's, everyone is really held accountable to that. And then we have this issue, okay, now what? how does that affect us as individual Christians today? Yes. Okay, and that's where we're getting into the third use of the law, right, as right. theologians have put it, where it's to be how we, um, we, we live. How we uh, how we function, if you will. Yeah, I mean, as a Christian, right? As we're, a Christian, we're not under the law. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So there's. In what sense? In what sense? I mean, right? that's the question, right? So when mm-hmm. we say when we say we're not under the law, um, oh, uh, we we are under. What's the passage? I I believe in First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there is one there. Yeah, where Paul says, you know, uh, I am not uh, under the law, though I act like. I am one under the law, mm-hmm. um, but and then he goes on to say, but I am under God's law. You want to look up that passage for me? It's First Corinthians nine, I think. Uh, uh, it might not be nine. But actually, I got Romans six and seven up here. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Let me let me just throw a couple in there. I'm not I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a lot. I mean, I would encourage everyone listening to read Romans six and seven. It's beautiful. But I love how Paul gives, uh, and I'll I'll bring up the First Corinthians passage. It is nine one through twelve, I believe. Yes. But, um, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So so Paul is giving a rhetorical question. Like, okay, God likes to forgive. I like to sin. Isn't this a good relationship? Right. Mm-hmm. He forgives. I keep sinning. And more grace, more grace, more grace, right? And and then Paul says, uh, no, that's uh, by no means right. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Okay, so the idea here is that you died. Okay, you died to your sin. You're a new creation in Christ. You're supposed to live a different way. And I mean, he even says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection yep. like his. Now, if we have died with Christ, we will live with him. And then, of course, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that's why he can say in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its 
passions. So the idea here being um, we're to live a certain way. Mm. Um, again, not to not to earn merit, mm-hmm. um, but not to earn God's love, but because we are a new creation and we are no longer a slave to sin, we don't have to sin anymore. Yeah. And so, so what yeah. we're getting at there is this notion of antinomianism, which is a really fancy word, but really what that means is anti-nomian. Against so or no. Against or no yeah. law, right? Nomos, nomos, nomos is, law. Is law, yeah. exactly. So we're, what we're not saying is that, you know, by, you know, oh, free, you know, free from the law, oh, happy condition, you know, and, and that that's the, that's all there is to say. No, like as Christians, there is still this uh, notion of law that mm-hmm. that we live under. So I, I just pulled up the passage. It was First oh, Corinthians nine, cool. uh, and for, uh, so nine uh, verse twenty. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Okay, so so Paul's saying, look, mm-hmm. to the Jews, I became like a Jew. I'm not actually under the law. But I flex like I am when I'm a- around Jews to win them, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so there's that. Now, next verse. To those outside the law, you know, Gentiles, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God. Okay, so now I'm just like, okay, so you're not under the law actually, but you'll flex like you are, verse 20. But then verse 21, you say, you are under the law, but then he says, um, he is under the law of Christ. Mm. So that phrase right there, law of law Christ, of Christ mm-hmm. I feel like is, is pretty um, pretty weighty. And it crops up, I think, twice, once in 1 Corinthians 9, 20. I think the other place where it crops up uh, is Galatians. Is that? Uh, I think it's Galatians. Probably Galatians 5. We'll have to look it up. Yeah, you can look it up. I'll, have to, I'll look it up uh, while we're while we're riffing here. But yeah, um, but yeah. So so this phrase crops up once or twice, and this notion of being under uh, the law of Christ seems to have some connotation where in the new covenant there are commands and and stipulations placed on believers. Um, by uh, by the New Testament, by Christ Himself, and and likewise uh, by by the apostles, where these commands that are placed on us uh, as believers are those which we are to obey, insofar as we are to grow in Christ likeness. Mm-hmm. Right. So that so, makes sense. And, yeah, and so it's not the kind of thing where okay, well, why why obey the law? Okay, so there is there are these things that Christians ought to do. Right. We are. We are under Christ's law, as as Paul says in 1 Corinthians nine twenty one. Um, so now, granted that there are certain, some things we do, some things we don't do. Yeah. Um, not so that we can earn salvation. Exactly. Not so that we can earn salvation, exactly. but always that we may grow in Christ likeness. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and conform to His image. Yeah. It's beautiful, and I mean, yeah. Paul says it again in Romans six fifteen. What then are we to sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace, by no means, says it again. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So, and he'll go on to say, you're, you're a slave to Christ. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. And you present yourself to sin or to Christ uh, and obey accordingly. Yeah. You live accordingly. So <laughs> and I, 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 that reference, by the way, Gal- I was, yeah, it was Galatians, Galatians six two, uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah. Um, so, and it, you kind of tying back, you w- makes you think of John 13, a new commandment I give you, uh, to love one another, just as I've mm-hmm. loved you, you also are to love one another. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting there that that language in John thirteen, a new commandment I give you yeah. to love one another. I mean, it's it's not new, is is it? Or, it's, well, I think I would say it's new in an a sense. Ah, okay. In a Go sense. Ahead. Yep. I mean, because it falls under the rubric of loving your neighbors yourself. Yes. I mean, and that's an Old Testament law. Yes. But but because think of it this way, there's I mean, and this goes back to our discussion on covenant. Yep. Right. This is a new covenant that has been inaugurated and a new organization has just been formed here. Mm-hmm. We could call that organization the church. Mm-hmm. We, 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 I think we can. We should. And we should, That's a good right? Idea. So, <laughs> so now, idea. now there's a new organization, a new body called the 
church, new covenant people, if you will, the church. And Jesus is saying, here's the new commandment to love one another. Hmm. So there, you are to love your neighbor. That's true. Don't ever neglect that. And you're to love your enemy, by the way. But whereas in the past, it was two categories of enemy and neighbor. Now there's three enemy, neighbor, brother, hmm. brother, sister hmm. in Christ. So, um, and I, I think there's other passages that talk about doing good, especially to the household of God. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, yep. you know, not, you know, there's a sense of priority there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. I think that's, it's fair to say. Yeah. Is that what you were getting at? Yeah. No, it, it totally yeah. was. It totally was. Um, okay, cool. So, so we have, so we have three uses, three uses yeah. of the law. Um, we have this notion of the law, uh, covenant, uh, and the various stipulations therein. And mm-hmm. then we have the law of Christ in kind of mm-hmm. a new covenant context. Does that mean that um, when we look at the old covenant law, let's yeah. think, you know, Mosaic law in, in, in the Old Testament, yeah. um, let's let's go Ten Commandments, right? In what sense are, are, are any of those Ten Commandments still applicable for us today? Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, are, there are some... I, I know I keep coming back to Sabbath, but Sabbath is—I mean, Sabbath. Sabbath is really interesting because I think Sabbath is a really good test case for how you put your whole Bible together. And plus, it's, it's a, a little, difficult one. It's a difficult one, but it's—it's it, it's also a little bit less um, charged, I guess, of, of, a, of a subject in some mm. ways. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm overthinking that, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah. In in terms of Sabbath, there are some like you know Sabbatarians mm-hmm. who would say. Yeah, like this is this is a commandment of yeah, God. Yeah, you We're will not gonna, watch football on Sunday. You're not going to watch football on Sunday. You're not going to go shopping on Sunday. That's you're right. not going to don't get gas. You're not going to get. Some Sabbatarians might say like with with hospitals, right? That there's there's deeds works of, of mercy, mercy, works of yes. mercy, exactly. So you know, they might get around like gas you know, or I'm hospitals. I'm going to rescue my sheep out of the out, out of the, the hole. Yeah, the hole. yeah, exactly, yeah, of course. exactly. Healing a man on the Sabbath. But but I mean, yeah. taking the hard use case, you know, to, in in fairness to that to that school of thought, you know, we're not going to go out to to, um, out to eat, for example, we might not go to the package store and, and pick up a bottle of wine, mm-hmm. right, or something like that, mm-hmm. or you know, grape juice for for those of us who are you know have some conscience around that. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, you, you get the point. You're not going to go to Chick Fil A and pick up a burger. Um, but they're closed. Yeah, well, the, awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the yeah. Sabbatarians just say, "Amen." Right. And they don't sell burgers. I don't think. Yeah, I, I meant a chicken. I'm sure. a chicken burger. <laughs> a chicken is, burger. If that's a thing, I don't. Yeah, even it is a thing. Think it is a it thing. It could be a thing. Could, it's it is now. No, yeah. I know. Well, I know. so so all that to say, I mean, in what sense, right? Is are the Ten Commandments? What does it have to do with us today? Well, that gets to we talked about the three uses of the law. Now it gets to okay categories mm. of law. The good old fashioned. Now, if some of you listening might be familiar with how Christians throughout the ages have tried to categorize God's law. And they typically do it uh, in three ways, well, three categories, ceremonial, civil, and moral. Mm. Now, I'll, I'll, try, I'll give a very brief summary of, of how they do that, and then we can pick that apart or yeah. support it as, you know, as the conversation leads. But generally speaking, a moral law is something that's applicable in all ages, among all peoples at all times. So do not murder. Okay, thou shalt not murder. Pretty clear, everyone on planet Earth is not to murder somebody. Uh, and that's true uh, in 1000 BC and 2000 AD. All right, that's, that would be an example of the moral law. Uh, the civil law would be something like uh, related to the nation of Israel as a nation, as a theocratic nation state. Um, uh, while I was living in the land. So an example would be not trimming the corners of your beard. Okay. Uh, you know, things that set them apart, if you will, from the nations around them. Mm-hmm. But they weren't really, at first glance, they don't look like a moral issue. And it's not necessarily applicable for all nations at all cultures at all times to not trim the corners of of your beard. Sure, or certain fabrics. Or, or certain fabrics yeah, yeah. woven two f- types of cloth together yep, yep. or or whatever the case may be. And then you have the ceremonial law, which um, anything that surrounds the sacrificial system and the worshiping of God and the tabernacle and the temple, um, that would be categorized under ceremonial law. So mm. animal sacrifices, pretty obvious there. Um, you know, how does that apply to Christians today? And of course, the, the Israelites were supposed to offer animal sacrifices and then 
as Christians, that one's a pretty easy one for us today. Mm. We don't need to kill animals because Christ is the perfect sacrifice, as the author of Hebrews lays out pretty clear. And Paul as well lays out very clear in his letters. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think, and what's really nice about that use case in particular, I I mean, I think the ceremonial piece of the law is just, it's it's absolutely beautiful because it's so clearly pointing us to Christ. I mean, you have such rich theology with Passover, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. with the temple and temple worship and the most holy place. Um, Yeah, that's that's one of my personal favorite themes in all of scripture. Let me throw you under the bus. I'm I'm not gonna throw you in the bus, but I'll I'll put you on the spot. (laughs) That's okay. How do you think? What do you? What are your thoughts on the threefold division: ceremonial, civil, moral? Is it biblical? Is it warranted? I think it's useful. I'm going to go I with like that, that word. I think it's useful. It's useful. Um, I think its utility has its limits. Mm. So, for example, I'm not sure that that's the way that Scripture itself reflects on the law. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's hard to find an intra-biblical. Uh, I think it's hard to find intra-biblical warrant for that tripartite division. Okay. And it's a little bit slippery of a concept too, right? So like in one sense, the whole law is moral. Yes. You, you, you keep it or you don't, and there's a moral question implicitly of, of are we obeying God? As Paul even says, whoever decides to try to keep the whole law, yep. you make one mistake. You've broken the whole thing. You've broken the whole thing. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And for the people of Israel, every single one of those laws was moral. Yep. You break it, you've sinned. Mm-hmm. And you're in trouble. Yeah. No, that's exactly I mean, right. It doesn't really matter. So I agree with you on that one. Yeah. I think that if we're too quick to to take the three, you know, three different colored highlighters mm-hmm. and try to go through the Bible and say, okay, I'm going to do civil, ceremonial, moral, three different colors, you're going to have a very hard time doing that. Yeah. Because you're going to find laws that some of them are all three. Sure. For the people of Israel. And, and and so, and now that does not mean, I mean, the, the way I would kind of come at that question, I mean, I would not say that therefore the division is useless. No, it's, and it is helpful. It, it, it can be helpful to, as kind of, in the same way that, you know, rules of thumb are generally helpful. I mean, yes. they help point us in the right direction, yeah. um, but, but it's not as if we're going to catch every use case. It's not as if there's no, yeah. uh, you know, tricky ones, as it were. So, uh, you know... I think the ceremonial piece of it is um, cleanest in the sense of mm-hmm. um, th- there's a little bit less, um, I think, controversy among the majority of Christians and the Reformed heritage to say that piece of the ceremonial law insofar as it is, you know, its, its function is to point forward to Christ mm-hmm. is fulfilled. Here's our, our, our language from from Matthew 5, is fulfilled uh, in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we get to the moral questions and the uh, civil questions, there's some there's some disagreement uh, among, you know, faithful, very, very faithful uh, believers uh, along, that, that can break down along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, I mean, let's turn to Matthew, Matthew 5, right? Because oh, that's yes. where um, a lot of that's the... Key. It's it's one of the many passages uh, mm. on which some of these questions turn. Mm-hmm. So we'll do 517 just to start. So do not think that I have come to abolish the law mm-hmm. or the prophets. Okay, so Christ is saying, look, I didn't come to get rid of. So, I mean, abolish is, is your verb there, right? So I didn't come to get rid of the law or the prophets. And that's the whole thing. I didn't come to, to um, don't think I'm like we're throwing that away. And it's not just the mosaic. It's not, yeah. When he says law and prophets, yes, that's yes. all of the Old Testament. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So he's saying, I've not come to get rid of it. I have come to fulfill them. So I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So that now the question is, what do we mean by to fulfill? Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll kind of tee it up that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you might say, so I, I, think, I think a faithful rendering of that is to say that Christ is that to which the law and the prophets point. Yes, I, I think that's one way we could uh, we could get at it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but now course, he goes on to say in verse eighteen, yeah. though, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And he says. Um, he says elsewhere, I, I, the passage escapes uh, my mind right now, but um, 
if if anyone teaches even the littlest ones of these mm-hmm. to break these commandments, mm-hmm. um, it would be better if a millstone were tied yeah, around. Yeah, tossed in the sea. Tossed in the sea, exactly. Yeah. And then likewise, um, there's a place where where Jesus is kind of. Uh, reprimanding the Pharisees, you know, you tie the mint, you tie yeah. the cumin. You forget the weightier matters. You forget the ma- the weightier matters of the law. But what's interesting is he goes on to say, "These you should have done mm-hmm. without leaving the others undone." Now that's interesting, because there there's some aspect of the law, you know, tithing mint and cumin that that, that Christ is saying, "Look, you they got that part. You got that part." Yeah. And he's not saying, you know, don't do that and just do these weightier yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but but isn't that legalism? Like, well, you know, oh, you, oh you're, you're we're supposed to um, obey the 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 jots and the tittles, and you know, or the iota and the dot that, well, that Jesus is talking about here. Yeah, that's a good question as far as legalism goes. And um, I would say, uh, like, the author of Hebrews writes, I mean, you know, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. Or like you hear in Isaiah, like, do I do I desire sacrifices? No, I desire you know, a humble and contrite heart, things like that. Um, but see, that doesn't mean that an Israelite could say, well, I do have, you know, a humble and contrite heart. And I do love you, Lord. Do I need to keep doing these sacrifices? Well, yes, you still do under the, uh, under the old covenant there. So the heart needs to be in the right, in the right place. Mm. And that is the main thing. But that doesn't mean uh, that the externals uh, can be discarded if Mm. you will um so but again even when we're talking about the pharisees with the mint and the cumin being tithed for a christian today the question is how how does it apply to me Mm. today i mean how do i um, figure out how to obey the the lord and, and live holy lives um from scripture and it, i think it does come back to the covenantal aspect we're under the new covenant in christ yes he's fulfilled the law and we need to understand okay so how does that how does that work and i know we're running short on time here but i can give just two real quick examples um, of how this applies to the church so in first corinthians 5 all right there's that whole section Actually, the whole chapter is about sexual immorality Mm. within the church. You know, um, a man has his father's wife, Mm -hmm. right? It's not even tolerated among the the pagans, not even tolerate that. And you guys are doing that. And he goes through what they're supposed to do with this situation, um, deliver him to Satan, all these things. And at the very end, in verse 13, he says, he quotes from the Old Testament. He says, purge the evil person from among you. And that's a quote from Deuteronomy. Okay, the the law given to Israel there. So now Paul is saying, you see this, how this law, this evil that's among you, that needs to be purged in the church. Mm. And guess what's also evil in this church? That sexual immorality is evil, okay? That uh, having your father's wife, okay? Which is a violation of a Levitical law, by the way. Right, Which even the pagans don't do that. Mm -hmm. So there's also that appeal to, to the natural law, general revelation, like where, even, where the where the Levitical law is is applicable. Yes. Right. And and so so yes. So and I think I think that's a that's a really um it's, I think it's a good example to lead in with, and I'm glad you brought it up because yeah. it is it's it's likely to be uncon- relatively uncontroversial. Yeah. Um, I think another one that's interesting is where uh, Paul writes. He says it, in in relation to uh, paying pastors a stipend. He says, now, look, you're not to muzzle the ox while it treads. I was just going to read that passage. Right. So, I mean, that's yeah. interesting, too, because there you have a, a New Testament example, a New Covenant uh, application of an Old Testament law yep. where it's not necessarily a, um, I mean, that to me, in, in my mind, that's a civil uh, use in its in its context, and that's where I have a problem with the with the too quick to categorize laws right. because the do not muzzle the ox while it's treading grain. Paul applies that to paying your ministers, your right. people who preach the word, right. and that he even says, "Does not the law say the same?" It is written in the law of Moses. He quotes from Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. and this is where I would argue, and the term I use for this, and I've heard it used before, is principalism. And the idea being that whatever law you see in the Bible, Old Testament specifically, you want to first understand its theological context. Okay, you definitely want to understand the covenant that you're in. 
and that, that law was given. And then you understand the principle behind it. And what's the principle behind not muzzling an ox when it treads out the grain? I mean, if you think about that, I mean, you're using an ox to tread out the grain to make your bread. And um, if a person who owned that ox was preventing it from eating, I mean, you're just trying to get every single grain you can uh, out of the work that this ox is providing. Right. And you're not even letting it eat while it's trying to do its labor. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's basically not taking care of your beast, not yeah. taking care of your property, your animal, right. things like that. And so the principle behind that is people who are so greedy that they're being so stingy that they're just, they're even willing to sacrifice, the, you, know, you know, that, you know, not even let the ox. Yeah, no lunch know, break for you. No lunch break for the ox. Yeah. Who, exactly. Who, or anybody. Or anybody. Or yeah, anybody. You, you, you could apply that to right. the modern day worker. Yep. And Paul applies that principle to the people who preach the word. Yes. If they're not, I mean, he's like, they're not getting paid. Like and their job, their full time job is to is to preach the word, proclaim the word, and you don't even give them a meal. Mm -hmm. Like they've got to buy their own way, they got to pay for their own meal. I mean, it, and he says that's not right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. That's so good. that's where the idea of principalism comes from, mm -hmm. where it's easy to say that's a civil law. It's true, but there's a principle behind it that, that is, has application, yes. not just to the church but even to the civil government, mm -hmm. to our society of that whole stinginess and not giving lunch breaks, things things like that, mm. if that makes sense. Okay, so I, I yeah. would agree with that. Now, how do you reach that conclusion? I only reach that conclusion by simply, really what it comes down to is this. Um, there's nothing explicitly in Scripture that says, here's principalism and here's how you do it. Right. All I can really do is see how does the how do the apostles mm -hmm. use the, the Old Testament law in application to the church? What is he doing there? I mean, is Paul misbehaving hmm. by using the law like that? Is he wrong to do that? And I don't think he is. And I think we get into dangerous waters if we say that Paul is wrong to quote from the Old Testament and apply it to ministers, because that's not the original context at all. Hmm. Had nothing to do with ministers in the in the in the civil law of Israel, hmm. but the principle behind it does. If and that I makes and, sense. and I think too. So what's in, so in terms of how we take that and then extrapolate to civil society as opposed to just the church, right? Yes. It, in my mind, there is a question of the principle, as mm -hmm. as you you know put it well. Yeah. So now now this principle is this principle uh, specific to the the covenant people of God, mm. right? And I think in there are there are some instances where the answer to that is yes. And mm -hmm. so you know, an ex a lot of examples around that have to do with the um, the ceremonial law, right? Where we are we are worshiping Christ as the fulfillment, mm -hmm. uh, as as our as our high priest, um, as our as our king too. And and but now we're doing that. That is not something that the the state uh, necessarily um, mandates as state. Now I know that's that's a little bit tricky. Yeah, we can get more into we that. can get more into that, yeah. right? Um, but now the church the church does, right? So I, yes. you, you don't want to get too much um, kind of two kingdomsy here. No, but, I know. But 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 the church does have Christ set apart as king. Now you could say the world ought to, but doesn't, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so, so in that sense, yeah. when we when we think about now that notion of greed that is uh, forbidden or kind of like you know over rule, you know ruling with with iron fistedness, yeah. uh, you know, is that something that civil rulers ought to do? Well, we let's think about this. I mean, number one, we know that God sees that as sin. Yes. And number two, we know that um, th there are many passages in Scripture where. Uh, Nations who are not uh, covenantally God's people are held to account for the law, you know, laws given to God's people. They're vomited people. out of the land. Right. So, so there, there, there are some of those laws, like I think, you know, uh, don't uh, muzzle the ox while he treads grain is one of these examples mm -hmm. where um, there are certain principles mm -hmm. that, uh, that are that should inform, that ought to, whether they do or not, it's yeah. another question, but that ought to inform um, civil society generally. Yeah. 
I can. I mean, we can end on. We can continue this discussion. Uh, definitely want to. Yeah. I mean, this would be really good stuff. Like more. Maybe in the future we could do one on specifically the state yeah. and its and its use of the law right. and how it's supposed to. But I was always struck by this one passage. Um, I'll, this will be the last one I read. Deuteronomy, chapter four, one through eight. Um, and now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon them, him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Hmm. So Israel is to be that beacon of light. And all the nations are to look to Israel and say, Your laws are awesome. Mm -hmm. Your laws are wise. And your God is near to you. And that's what I want. Like yeah. they're, they're supposed to look to Israel and say, that's what I want. Yeah. And so their laws, all of the laws that were given to them are supposed to be an example. Yeah. Oh, and, and similarly, in, I think in a New Covenant yeah. context, you get language around like, you know, the lamp, you know, not, not covering the lamp on the lampstand. So that's there's, right. there's a sense in which the church likewise. So I know some, some will yeah. say that, you know, the whole, you know, one of the main themes in the Old Covenant is you have Israel as God's people. And the notion is, you know, come and see, whereas the New Covenant context with the church is go and tell. Uh, now, y you want to be careful with that, though, because this is one of those examples where it just seems very, very clear that um, the church likewise is to be this um, this entity of uh, mm -hmm. of God's people who are living faithfully in such a way that is attractive mm -hmm. uh, to 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 uh, many in the watching world. Now, again, the, you know, some will say, you know, because you um, what Jesus says, uh, because I tell you the truth, mm -hmm. you will not believe me. So there's there's always going to be a sense in which, you know, because we may be telling the truth or living in accord with God's word, precisely for that reason, you know, we will be hated by the world. That's, yeah. there's, there's always going to be some of that. But, but but there is wheat and tares there too, right? So yes. there is wheat uh, in the world where in this kingdom where, where God's people are, are planting a flag in the context of the church to say, you know, this is uh, the the bounds of of the kingdom of God that are expanding and going out as the gospel is shared. Mm -hmm. um, that as that happens, there will be wheats uh, gathered up, yeah. right? In the sense that there are some who are going to see that and say, you know, th uh, see that I've told you you're going to take possession of it, and the people will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Yes. Um, now we're we're not a nation in the same way, no, I, yeah. right? But but the same principle, yeah, right? of course, that's true. That's what I was trying to get. Yeah, absolutely. True. I think that's that's beautiful there, and so we are uh, uh, stretching out our time here. So um, it's great. This is an awesome discussion. Yeah. I do love talking about this, and I we will we will reattack this to use my military phrase. Sorry, there <laughs> reattack. It's a a common vernacular for the for the military. We're making up words left and right. I know we it. are. So, but, <laughs> but that being said, we'll come back to this specifically regarding the state. I think would be would be a good. Yeah, topic. that and also just like the notion. Uh, sorry, to th mm -hmm. we're, we're out of time. But just th this notion of like hierarchy within the law too yeah. is something I'd like to explore. Right, yeah, I think absolutely. there's something the weightier there too. versus not the weightier. weightier matters of the law. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's I think that's something we'll circle back to but, as well. But but now, but not today. It is time for the proverbial challenge. It is time for the proverbial challenge. But you were short on time, so you're gonna be you're gonna be on top I, uh, of this super one. quick. I know. That's okay. It's uh -huh. all right. You 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 ready to handle this? Uh, probably right. not. Probably not. All right. Well, <laughs> but that's okay. well, here it goes. Here it goes. All right. Uh, all right. Proverbs twenty-eight four, twenty-eight, verse four. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive against them. Hmm. Dun dun dun. Yeah. No, that's good. Okay. So let's 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 think this one through here. 
those who forsake the law praise the wicked. Um, th- there, is, there is a sense in which God's law establishes that which constitutes righteousness. And when, now, and righteousness in this context, I think, can be contrasted with wickedness, mm. right? So those who are pursuing that which is right and those who pursue that which is wicked. And when people forsake God's law, there tends to be a, no, a, a sense in which they, we, we all, so we were talking earlier about we all be, being a, a law unto ourselves. Mm-hmm. Think of it this way. Hitler was a wicked and evil man, but there were things that he believed were right. Mm-hmm. Now, he was wrong. Yeah. He was wicked and he yeah. was evil, but he had his own standard that yeah. he was like, there are things that are right, that are things that are wrong. And he just got many, many wires crossed. Yes. Right. So there, that's that's evil. Right. So what basically Hitler is saying is like, I forsake God's law. I mm-hmm. forsake this law. And I, we end up praising that which is wicked. In other words, we're always going to praise something. Yes. There's always going to be a standard that we think is right. Mm. Now, so the question is not, you know, whether we will think some things are right and some things are wrong, mm. but which things we think are right and which things we think are wrong. So in a twisted way, when we forsake that which is right, we will end up praising that which is wrong. Hmm. Um, so, so in other words, you know, uh, Romans one thirty two. though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice mm. such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval praising that which is wicked, they give approval to those who practice them. Um, But those who now, okay, so now the second half of it, but those who keep the law strive against them. So in other words, there is this notion in which uh, those who are keeping the law, who are doing that which in God's sight is righteous or who are pursuing that end up striving against those who forsake the law. Um, so th- there is an antipathy here. So, you know, Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Mm. Um, you know, Jesus can can call out the Pharisees, uh, you, you know, you brood of vipers. <laughs> yeah. So th- there is this sense in which um, that which is right ought to strive against that which is wrong and even seek to hmm. restrain those who pursue that which is evil mm. by forsaking the law. Yeah. Um, so there's there's an opening shot. I think that was excellent. Awesome, man. Way to do that with short notice, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so this has been a good discussion on God's law, and uh, we do thank you all for, for tuning in. And, uh, again, remember, send any questions you have to twoguysinabible.podcast at gmail.com. Look us up on Facebook the number two guys in the Bible, or tweet us at number two guys in the Bible. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks again, Dylan. Thanks, Eric. Uh, And thanks to listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you coming out. Yeah, until next time, God bless. God bless.